Welcome to Real Testaments, the message is shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up this morning. We'll read the word of God together. It's a very long one, but I will just try and do all the reading by myself as you follow me. So Genesis chapter 41, um, extraing the life of Joseph this morning as we continue our conversation on productivity. All right, Genesis chapter 41 from verse 14 to 16, then I will continue from verse 25 to 44. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself. And Joseph changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I've heard them say of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me, it is God that shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Praise God. Verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, now this is the interpretation. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showed it unto Pharaoh. Behold, there comes seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. Verse 32, and for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will surely bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh, now listen, from verse 33 is where you need to follow me. If you lose from verse 33, you lose the message. Pharaoh, in verse 14 to 16, had called Joseph to do one thing. What was that one thing? Interpret. Interpret. The interpretation of the dream ended in verse 32. Verse 33. The productive man steps forth. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a discreet man, a discreet and wise man, and set him over the land of Egypt. This is not part of the interpretation. The interpretation had ended. But Joseph is now going further to give advice. What he's doing is he's seizing his opportunity. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a wise man, a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Verse 34. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is. Oh. Oh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has shown thee all this, there is none as discreet and wise as you art. You shall be over all my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. 
And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Verse 44, the last verse where I stop. And Pharaoh sent unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 to 29. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 to 29. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that moveth upon the earth. Verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is a fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Now, I'm tackling the message this morning. While I'll try to narrow down on two points later. Harvesting your plans. Harvesting your plans. Harvesting your plans. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The big language, the etymology, the, that's the origin of the word productive is two words. Productive and quality. Productivity comes from the root words, the root Latin words, which means the quality what, of being productive. The quality of being productive. So it's not just about the result, but the quality which becomes part of your character. Productivity is not a one-off experience. It becomes a part of your character. It becomes a part of you. That's why I had to go back to Genesis chapter 1, which I like to go back to regularly, because it's my complete book where there is nothing wrong in Genesis chapter 1. God knew what he wanted to achieve on earth. God had created everything. He knew his plans for, for the earth. And he put you in charge of everything that he wanted to achieve. It means he trusted you to be able to achieve this thing. And he empowered you to be able to be productive. He empowered you for what he had already pre-planned that he was going to do. And he put you in charge. There is a sacrifice to pay for productivity. The man who will become productive is the man who is ready to pay that sacrifice. The man who will know what sacrifice it is and be prepared to pay that sacrifice. Productivity is not by happenstance. For something to become your quality and your character, then you must be ready to go through the process and become the process. You must become it. Praise God. Now, essentially, this morning, I'm going to talk about what will make those plants of yours become a product? Okay? Pastor Chris has taught us, has laid a lot of the foundation on, first what? Planning and execution. Now, when you plan and you execute your plans, are you going to go back to bed? What are you going to do? You, you follow it up. It's called monitoring. So you have to monitor everything that you have executed or else you may end up starting your planning again. So the man that is planning from the beginning that is going to execute something knows already that he has a price to pay, which is monitoring. You must follow it up. A man does not go to the farm. I mean, where we read from Genesis chapter 1, talk about a lot about agriculture. A man does not plant seed in the ground and go to bed. You don't plant corn in January, go to bed, and come in April after three months to come and harvest it. What will you see in your farm? Weeds. So the seed can be a good seed, but if you don't monitor it, what will happen? It's going to die. Monitoring is critical. To everything that you would ever what? Achieve. When you plant in the ground, listen, not all goals that you set, not all plans that you plan will succeed. 
I mean, it's a principle. If you carry corn now, maize, if you carry 100 seeds of corn and plant 100 in ground, chances of you having 100 grow up almost zero. Some of them will just die. In fact, if you check your maize seed very well, which is what, when we want to plant, because I, I grew up on the farm essentially, when we want to plant, we pick the seed. Or the one that has that the cotyledon or whatever is caught a little bit, it's not, it's dead, it's not going to germinate. So we put it inside the one for a camel. And then this one, we carry it to the farm. The one that are good, but still all those good ones, still all of them will not germinate. So any seed that you don't monitor, you have already given it license to die. So you may have the best plants, but if you don't monitor it, you are giving your plants a license to die. It's like saying amen and having no action to go with it. What will happen? Frustration. If the pastor prophesies here every Sunday on you, you will have this and you say amen, but you don't have a plan that follows it, you don't have an action that follows it, frustration will come. Every hallelujah you shout without an action ends up in depression. It's not everybody that shouts hallelujah that receives it. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says what? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Is it all men that receive the grace? It has appeared to all men. But is it all men that benefit from that grace? It's available. But what do we do with the grace that is available? If you missed workers meeting this morning, you missed a lot. The Conocity finished work this morning. Few minutes, but he finished the work. I almost was saying, why preach another sermon? The guy has already preached it. He has said everything. Praise God. He said, he said this morning, in the school of life, there is no excuse for failure. There is no reason for failure. So Dickens said. There's no reason. There's no excuse for failure. You have the best goals. You have the best resources available to you, but if you don't monitor them in the process, it ends up in a point called zero. You know, God has a desire to bless. God is willing to bless. But God does not want to waste his blessing. For every man that is sloppy, less strategic, less organized, God cannot drop a blessing on your laps because you will waste it. He's looking for the person that is arranged. So he can put it and the blessing will flow. But when somebody is disorganized by nature, the person cannot even control the blessing that God is giving. In fact, the person may not even be able to recognize the blessing that God is giving because the life is scattered. God is looking for a man to bless. And the man that God will bless is a man that understands the process and organizes himself in the process. Praise God. So this morning I'm going to talk about 10 things. Very, I'll rush the 10 things, but I must get to number 10. Point number one, in terms of monitoring and harvesting your plan. If you want to harvest your plan, point number one, first, identify the seeds. I'm going to talk a lot about the story of Joseph, which is why I read all of it. I'm going to use a lot of explanations from that story. So you can read it when you get back home again as I try to rush through this. Number one, if you want to harvest your plans, number one is first of all to identify the seed. Now, most people struggle to find a seed. Uh, I think Pastor Chris was talking last week and he talked about you not being able to identify what seed you have. Now, as a farmer, I know that the first seed for my next season of planting is where? It's in the harvest of the last season. I'll take that again for the benefit of somebody. The seed for the next season of planting is from my harvest of the last season. If my farm yields a bountiful harvest in the last season and I eat all of it, what am I going to do? I am going to go to the market again to buy, to plant again. A reasonable farmer knows that what? All you need is either one plantain soccer or one cassava stick. That's all you need in your life for a plantain farmer. Just one soccer of plantain or one stick of cassava is enough. Or just a few seeds of corn is enough for your life. You don't have to make a billionaire profit in your first season of farming. But if you take that seed of cassava and plant it into the ground, when it grows, that stick, that single stick is going to become a tree, cassava tree, Abby. How many sticks are you now pluck from it and plant? Do you understand? So it multiplies itself. But if 
you throw away all or you eat all the yam that comes out from your farm because yam is very tempting. When you plant yellow yam, yellow yam, we don't see it in Lagos. When you plant yellow yam, that's the one for the original pounded yam. Not all these white Abuja yam that you're seeing here. These are uh, uh, um, second hand. The original yam is the Bini yellow yam. They call it Ikbe. There is a temptation to eat all of it when it comes out. Because they are big, they are fine, but the yam is waiting. But a reasonable farmer will select some of the finest ones and keep it and say, well, we are not eating this one. He ties it in the barn, and the next uh, March, the next planting season, what does he do? He takes from the best and plants it in the ground. Why? So that it can yield again at the end of the year. You cannot eat all your harvest. You're asking for a seed to sow, but God has already planted a seed in you. So two ways. Number one, what, did you, what do you already have from what God has already blessed you with? That may be your first seed. God may have given you talents and gifts. Those are in it. But external from you are things that you already have. Can you turn those things into a seed to reap something? It gives you an idea. It gives you an idea. It's like a baby born. A baby that is born today. A baby that is born today is born, a male child is born with a sperm sac, or a female child is born with what? An ovary. But are they useful immediately? No. They are useful at the appointed time. But guess what? They were born custom built. They were factory fitted with the capacity for productivity, but it's not relevant yet until the appointed time. Somebody's appointed time is going to come now. Yeah. I said somebody's appointed time is coming already. Yeah. There are some things that you have had around you that you have been despising around you, just like your sperm sac, just like your ovary around you, but it's time for you to begin to use it productively. It's a seed. It's a seed. Joseph always had it in him. But it was not useful until the day that what? The chief butler and the chief baker had dreams. That was the first day that it came out. It had been inside him, but he had never used it. There is a day that it sits in you will become useful. Think about it. Today is your day. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to tell yourself, I am custom built for success. I am custom built for success. God has fitted me with productivity. Amen. So, the critical question to ask yourself on this point is, what can I do now without any form of help? Ask yourself that question. What can I do? What can I achieve now without anybody helping me? That's your seed. That's your seed. I can give you life experiences from that. Time I wanted to do it. To do a major project, I needed people. I put it on Facebook, say who, who can. Um, I wanted to do a community project, and I needed doctors, I needed lawyers to support and all that. And I put it on Facebook, and within 30 minutes, boah, I've received all the lawyers that I wanted to receive in this world. They sent me private messages to support me and all that. But then I needed resources, I needed a venue, I needed this, I needed that, I needed that. I said, this thing is big. What can I start simple that only myself would just show up and everything starts up? And I had the answer. It's a seed. Don't go begging for help everywhere when you can do some things by yourself. Second point. Second point in investing your plans is what? Identify the field. Point one, identify the seeds. Point two, identify the field. Now, the process of monitoring is an ongoing process in life. It's continuous. It doesn't end in one day. It's continuous throughout the season of your life. Throughout one year of setting your goals and trying to achieve it, it continues the next year. Monitoring is an everyday process. The moment you breathe, then you can also monitor. So identify the seeds. Now, identify the field. The moment you identify your seed, then you know what field this is for. Because it's not all seeds that you can plant in every ground. You cannot carry corn and plant in clay soil. You cannot carry a, a yam and plant in sandy soil. You have to look for loamy soil, Abi. It's not all talents that can work in every state in Nigeria. You may have the talent so well, but you're in the wrong geographical location. So your, your, your seeds determine your field. You may be very skilled and very good in so many things. 
I can do many things. But in this church, my favorite department in this church, which I started with in this church, was drama group. I was lead character in many of the dramas that we acted in this place. Not, well, not this place. Before we came here. But as after I became pastor, I look over there, we had car for stage now. All the time, jumping up and down, acting native doctor. I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I have to give it to somebody else. It's the house and cold. <laughs> you have to focus. Stanley, good example. Stanley is one of the best photographers you will see on earth. Yeah. One of the best. But he had to, see, he had to choose what to major in and what to minor in. So then he was majoring in photography, but when filmmaking came, what, what happened? Photography now was, became minor. You have to choose in this season of your life what you will major in. See, you are an actor, you are an accountant, you are a dancer. You choose one that you will excel in now. So that you don't become a jack of all trades that is just average in all trades. It will limit your resources. Yes, I like to do some things. I mean, I was at home yesterday just sitting down on my own, holding my phone, and a lunch came to MC an event that is coming in May. I'm happy about it. I'm not hustling for the events again because I'm starting to reduce that part of my life. Because it's distracting some other areas. Where there's more being. <laughs> Praise God. So you identify your field wisely. When a farmer plants a seed in the nursery, like oil palm, for instance, or rubber, when you plant it in the nursery, it's not immediately that it goes to the plantation. You choose the time. There's the right time for you to move this seed that has become a small crop to the plantation. If you move it on day one, what will happen when it gets to the plantation? It will die. There's a right time. Some people are resigning their jobs too quickly. Yes, we know that your future is in what? Entrepreneurship. You want to hustle. Don't rush and resign your job. Answer some questions first. Is this the right time? Yes, we don't want to overanalyze. We want to take risks like that. But if you have an advantage of a perfect time, why not start the business first and start making profits from that business before you rush into it headlong? There are reasonable times. Identify the field and what you need to do to get into that field. Number three, you must nourish your field. You must nourish your field. If you like, call it water the field. For every field, you think of the manure that you need to put in that field to make it germinate, to make your seeds germinate in that place. One of the major items you need to nourish in every field is relationships. Most people play that on it too much. Relationships is something that you must nourish. You must water your relationships. It is referrals that will make you to produce in your absence. People will refer you when you're at home. When you travel, they will refer you. I saw this person do this thing in your absence. It is because of, there are some people I can't refer. And there are some people I will readily refer because they've nourished, they've watered the relationship. So when this item comes up, the first thing you think of is this other name because the person has watered it. Don't play down on it. Some people deliberately water some relationship by just remembering anniversaries, children's birthdays. Your birthday, they just send you a message like that. It's part of the watching of the field. And you must be deliberate about it. Joseph fertilized his relationship with the chief butler. He fertilized it in the prison. It was the same person that referred him to, to, to Pharaoh. Which relationship are you nourishing now? And in trying to nourish your relationship, at times, always use the other person's eye to think. Because most times when people want to go into a business, they ask themselves a question. When people want to refer you, sometimes they ask themselves a question. What is in this for me? If you look at that person very well and ask that question and answer that question very well, what will this person want from this? Then you have passed the exam. See, it, it, that's, that's the skill of negotiation. If you know what the other person wants and you offer him, he will quickly offer you what you are looking for. Praise God. Another thing you must nourish as you monitor, as you go along, is your knowledge. Your knowledge base. You must water your knowledge base. Because what you don't know, you cannot use it. You cannot go into a field that you know nothing about. You are licensed to fail if you go into a field that you know nothing about. You can't produce them. And, and the day that pride steps in and you start saying, I know it all, I know it all, what will happen? You start decaying and other people start overtaking you. You cannot use 
today's knowledge to deal with tomorrow's problems. The world is going digital now. How well are you moving in that direction? We call it disruption. This is that disruption. How well are you preparing for it? Yesterday's wisdom may not be ready to tackle tomorrow's problems. If you are not learning in the process, then you will start decaying and say, I, I, I didn't learn it like this, I didn't learn it like this. What you learned in your universities, sorry, it ended at the university gate. Life is life. School is school. Carry your certificate and start flinging around like this. I am an engineer. Repair something. <laughs> Number four, understand the seeds you have planted. Number one, identify the seeds. Number two, identify the field. Number three, nourish the field. Number four, in nourish the field, there are children. Water your relationships, and two, water your knowledge. They are children. All right, so we are number four. Understand the seeds you have planted. Now, as a farmer, weeding is at different times. If you are carrying a corn farm, you weed at the same time with melon. It is not the same as oil palm or cassava. They are different. There is a time when you have done cassava up to, and the cassava itself will fight its battles. It will fight for itself. You don't need to go back to weed. But for melon, you must weed until it has finished spreading around everywhere. When it has spread around everywhere, you leave it to fight its battles. So there are weeks. Don't because the Kinosaiyati is behaving like this for his own, means that you must behave the same way at the same time. Understand your own. So that you don't make a mistake of copying in error. So when they are copying in the exam, they also copy math number of the person they are copying. <laughs> From the teaching at the workers' meeting last week, uh, the Kinosaiyati was, I mean, custom built teaching. It was talking about um, the seed that the sower sowed. And we got to talk about the one that sowed in a fertile ground, right? And the Bible says what? Somewhat had 30-fold, 60-fold, and what? 100-fold. Listen, you must know when to harvest each crop. If you don't know when to harvest at the right time from this that you have planted, what will happen to it? It will turn to manure. So God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. If you don't eat at the right time, what has happened to it? It becomes manure again for the next. You need to know when to draw on your relationships. Draw from your business. Like a corn. You plant corn in the farm. If you don't go to harvest at the right time, what will happen to the corn? It will decay and turn to what? Manure. So understand it. What is 34 is 34. What is 64 is 64. What is 100 is 100 fold. Understand the dynamics of everything you are doing. There's a right time to launch out. There is a right time not to launch out. There's a right time to study. There's a right time to pull back. The person that is doing umbrella business must have made all his inquiries now and prepared his supply now before the rainy season starts. If he starts doing the market survey during the rainy season, what's going to happen? He's manuring it for the next rainy season. Meanwhile, he can easily rip now. Joseph was not appointed prime minister because he interpreted. He was appointed prime minister because he gave advice. Are you hearing me? It was, he used sense. The gift of God that was in him was to interpret dreams. But he took it a step further by giving advice to Pharaoh. Pharaoh did not call him to come and give advice. But when he gave the advice, Pharaoh said, we cannot find any man as wise and discreet as this. Because he preferred solutions to the problem. He had given a problem as part of the interpretation. But he preferred solutions to it. He understood what his gift was doing at that place at that time. If you don't understand the use of your gift, you will waste it. In church for real now, what is your gift doing sitting down on that chair? You may lose the environment. It's just like saying in the Bible, Christ was here, the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. You may have your gift and an opportunity at that very moment, if you don't use it during that period of time, what has happened to it? It has wasted. It may have just become manure. Joseph gave advice. Hmm? And the advice converted him from being 
a prisoner to a prime minister. I was doing some Bible research yesterday from Bible history because the Bible does not say exactly how many years he stayed in prison. But from historians, some historians have it that he spent about 10 years in prison from when Potiphar put him to when he got out. At least he spent two years there from when the chief butler came. But before the chief butler and the chief baker came, he had been there, he had been in charge of the prison. So he spent some time. Historians put it at about 10 years. But you see, that 10 years, it was one day's advice that he gave in the prison, one day's interpretation that gave him an opportunity to get to the palace. And it was the advice that he gave that kept him prime minister for at least 14 years. But then, Joseph was 30 years when he became prime minister of Egypt. Joseph died at 110 years. He died at 110 years. He gave the advice at what? 30 years. So for how long was it relevant in Egypt? 80 years. Because of one advice. God can settle your future and your children's future today. From what you are learning from this session, as you choose to become productive, God is settling your future in the name of Jesus. Look deep. Think deep. Think about your gift. Think about what God has blessed you with. Use them productively and your future is settled. Some people, your children will be given scholarship because of some things you have done already. Number five, change strategy when necessary. This is important. The strategy you set out to do at the beginning of the process or at the beginning of the year may not necessarily be the strategy in the middle of it. Don't get fixated with one way and this, this is the way to go. If Pharaoh was fixated in one pattern, he would never have taken the advice from Joseph to do things differently. I was studying Nehemiah yesterday, the Nehemiah crew. A, a time came when people came, they wanted to build a wall. The wall of Jerusalem was not an easy wall to build. Nehemiah was in captivity, was in exile. And he came back and said, we, we needed to build this wall. What do you do when you want to build a wall? You carry cement, you carry shovel, you carry sand, you carry water, you carry blocks and all of that. That's all they needed. But when opposition came, Tobias, Sambala, Geshem and all that, when opposition came, what did Nehemiah do? He armed them. He gave them guns. He gave them cutlasses. So the Bible says, on one hand, they were walking, and on the other hand, they had what? Spare. Strategy changed when opposition changed. There are some government policies that will come that will alter your strategy, but that does not mean you should give up. They built the wall of Jerusalem in 52 days, despite the opposition. It, it was a record. It was impossible to build it during that period. Thank God it was not Nigeria that they were building it. But they can't build anything. Three administrations of president, 20 years of democracy, can't build anything. No opposition. We now will be the opposition of ourselves. Can't build anything. Nehemiah said, we are in this. Nehemiah was at the wall every day when they were building it. You see, there are some things you cannot outsource. You cannot outsource your destiny to another person to manage for you. Even if it is your spouse, you cannot outsource your life. The responsibility for your life is yourself. You cannot outsource it to your husband or to your wife. Your DNA is different. Even if you sleep on the same bed, born the same children, your DNA is different. Every DNA has its own. Don't outsource it. Nehemiah was, he was, he was devoted. He said, we are here. We die here on this place. We got anybody that come. We kill them, cut their neck. But we must build this one. In trying to achieve your purpose, be resolute. We must, I must do this, you know. I must achieve it. Let government change. Let government change policy. Let anything happen. Let there be flood. Let there be rain. Let there be no light. I will do it. Praise God. Number six, critical, eliminate waste. Eliminate waste. What Joseph was saying is, in these first seven years of plenty, these seven years of abundance, we are not going to waste anything. We will save everything. So he built silos, he built where storehouses and everything. Everything, we pack it inside because we are keeping it for the future. Eliminate waste today. People who don't have a business idea are very good in wasting things. Mm. Let me annoy some people. If you look at what you earn today, look at what you earn today, and look at what you spend in your life, can that earning really take off everything in your life? 
Just imagine that you take away the extra things that are coming, extra support that are coming from everywhere, and you only this is only what you use. There are some things that you will not waste anymore. There are some things that you will not do anyhow anymore. Like in my office, there's an operation. It's called Operation Soup. Operation Soup. What's Operation Soup? Soup is what? Switch off and unplug. So, an analysis was done of electricity and diesel spending. You plug everything on the system and leave it and go home. You are not inside a room. You leave fan on. You leave light on. You are in the bathroom. You are washing clothes. The TV is on. The fan is on. The light is You are wasting power. Even in your businesses. There are some things that we can manage. See, let me tell you. When you, Pastor Chris talked about this very well when we were doing um, the prodigal this morning. If you are not making, cut costs. There are some ways that you cut off. It's part of productivity. You cannot be making and wasting everything. At the end of the day, what becomes your profit? You waste your profit. Just as I said, these seven years, we waste nothing. We store it. Because people will need it seven years' time. People will need it. We will need it. So if we don't have sense now, we will suffer tomorrow. The countries, it was not only in Egypt that there was abundance. But all the countries that were wasteful, they came to Egypt to beg. And they paid a price for it. You will pay a price for every waste that you embark on. Praise God. Number seven, listen to good counsel. Listen to good counsel. Pharaoh would have fed woefully if he didn't listen to a good counsel from Joseph. I am the king. Now me no pass. I've been on this throne. I am the man of the house. I am the husband. I am the head of this house. Now you no pass. Are you not listening? No, 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 no. Don't tell me anything. Don't tell me anything. I am the one that gave birth to these children. I carried them in my room for nine months. Don't tell me anything. I am the MD of this choir. Don't tell me anything. When people criticize you, eh? you may not take home, but if I'm you, when you reach out, ask yourself, why is this person saying this thing? Is the person even making sense? But you know human nature, the moment anybody is trying to criticize us, what do we do? We get defensive and angry. We flat on our face anyhow. For the simplest of criticism, for the simplest of advice. Oh, Exodus 18, eh? Let me just tell you the story. Exodus 18, 13 to 24. Let me tell you the story of Moses and Jethro. Moses and Jethro. Moses was doing a good thing. Moses, he was leading the whole Israel. Jethro was his father-in-law. He was not born again. He was not even a child of God. I think Moses was a child of God. Moses was judging the people. He sat down on a chair from morning. He would resume at 7 o'clock and he would close at 10 p.m. Everybody would bring their problem. They would stay on the queue as if they are registering for NIN. They would stay on the queue because I think first, what's your problem? This and that, this and that. Okay, this one is your village people that are worrying you. Go and say the rosary seven times. Go. They can give out. What's your, ah, okay, okay, okay. Need and face the word 12 times and don't do this again. Everybody ran like that. Only Moses. Moses was doing well. When he gets home, he will lie down like firewood. That's why Moses maybe did not have many children. Got <laughs> no energy. I finished it on that sun. And there was no canopy on that tree. Then his father-in-law said to him, You are killing yourself. He said, What are you doing? He said, Oh no, they bring their problem to me. And the judge, I judge them, I tell them the solution. Good, good solution is what I'm telling them. He said, You will just die for nothing. He was doing the work of God and he was doing it well, but he refused to delegate. He refused to outsource. You need to know when to delegate responsibilities. Otherwise, you kill yourself for nothing. And Moses said, Oh, Moses did not get defensive like many of us would do. So I'm doing the work of God. That's how we do the work of God. It's in your own work. Go and do your own. <laughs> Don't tell us how we sing. We are the choir. Go and do your usher. He said, but choir, when you are singing now, you, you, when you are singing like this, don't do your hand like this in front of the microphone now. It will make the song look anyhow. He said, your choir.
When you're asleep, don't you, do you smile every time? Don't get defensive automatically. Listen to the wisdom in every advice and criticism. Not all criticism are constructive, right? Even the one that are witchcraft laden, still see inside whether there is any sense inside the witch. Praise God. You see, what happens is when you, when you refuse to grow because people are giving you advice and all that, what you are doing is you are recycling mediocrity. You just recycle mediocrity because the way you have been doing things like this, it's good for now. But Jim Collins says what? Good to great. It's not enough to be a good company. It's not enough to be a good person. You must become great. And these are the things that you need to do to become great. When people criticize me, yes, inside me, I'm like, why? You must listen to advice, criticism, everything that comes. Just sift it. Sift it. It's like you want to wash rice. There are some things that you will put inside the pot and there are some stones that you will throw away. Sift it. Don't just dump it away. We are too defensive all the time. Human nature. And it's not helping us. Number eight. Put the negative past behind you and sow again. You made a mistake before. Negativity happened. Life happened like they say. Stuff happened like they say. And you're dwelling on it. You're organizing pity parties, moaning, crying, wailing, gnashing of teeth, up and down. This is why this thing did not happen. This is why that thing did not happen. I know that. No, I can't try again. My relationship broke up. Oh, no, 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 no. This guy broke my heart. Oh, this guy broke my liver. Oh, oh, oh. You're having reasons and reasons and reasons not to do it. I sell this exam. I don't want to do it again. Come on now. You see, I, 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 I took some interest in Genesis chapter 3, 1, 2, 3, 4. God said unto Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Until Adam left the garden, Adam did not have a child. The moment he left the garden, what did he do? What was the first thing that was recorded of Adam after he left the garden? He gave birth to a child. So the mandate of replenishing the earth, he didn't even do it when things were good. But the moment negativity happened, he started to do what was right. I studied the life of Cain. Cain. Cain was the first man that was really cursed in the Bible. Everything bad that happened in this life, God said it by himself to Cain. You are a vagabond, you are a this, you are a that. Ha! And Cain went out. And what was the first thing that Cain did afterwards? He built a city. The first city that was built in the Bible was a man under a curse. The highest level of negativity was upon him. But yet he produced. How much more you? You are under a blessing. What are you making out of the blessing? If the man under a curse could build a city, what are you building? God did not come and say, uh, uh, okay, I said you're a vagabond. Anything you build will not work. No, 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 no. That's why people of other religions are still successful in what they do. Because they bounce back when they fail. But Christians, what they don't. Don't waste time organizing pity parties. This happened, yes. This negativity happened, yes. Yes, so what? Are you the only one that has negative things in your life? Then many of us would have not died. All these suits, all these native, all this time, they're acting female. They're just covering scars on bodies. People have gone through stuff, life, but they bounce back. And you are admiring them. When they sit you down and tell you that story, like five days, you'll still be writing notes. <laughs> come, if you want to hear a story of life, come. Come and visit me. I'll give you time. Come to my house. You'll hear a story of life. You think everything is good all the time, but you must bounce back. Praise God. Use the pain as fuel. Convert your pain of the past to fuel to move you forward. Let it move your engine. If you want to be productive. Otherwise, any plan you set and any negativity happens on it, Pastor, Kilode, you prophesied upon this plan now. I planned it. You said plan. Because I didn't say plan. You said set your goals. I set it. I am executing it. But Pastor, you said I'm taking church. When you get there, when you get to the place you are going, if I, 
Oh God. You will see form to enter. <laughs> Praise God. Your, your setbacks can never dilute the potency of the grace of God. Cannot. No matter how great your setback is, God's grace is greater than it. If you bounce back, the grace will support you and you move forward. The Bible says a saint is what? A sinner who fell seven times but got back up again. And it makes him a saint. Seven times of failure. But you said, I'm not failing, I'm not stopping. Stanley, Alpha, it also trades. It didn't happen exactly how, but he bounced back. Everybody has stories. Don't just admire. As you are aspiring, also learn and be like. Number nine. Put your harvest into productive use. You are productive and blessed, not because of what you earn, but because of what you do with it, especially for the benefit of others. As early as Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God said to Abraham, you are blessed so that you can become what? A blessing. He said, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. Present continuous. That was the whole mission of Abraham. To become a blessing. See, everything you earn, everything you make, if you, if you make everything just for your benefit for yourself, you are making a great mistake or a lack of understanding of God's intention for your life. When we talk about influencing the world, it's like a fire incident scene. Your neighbor's house, there's fire. And your house is there. What do you do? Do you sleep? Eh? You can't sleep. Why? Because if that fire finishes that house, where's the next house the fire is going? So what should you do? You join to what? Quench that fire. You are not just helping your neighbor. You are also helping yourself. So for every blessing you bless people, you are also blessing yourself. I, I was at the EFCC once, <laughs> and they were trying to trace a fraud of $2 billion. And we're interacting. I say, oh, this person is not involved in this, this and that, this and that. And the ESCC official told me, say, well, you calm down. One person cannot chop two billion. <laughs> he said, the other people will have chopped from this two billion. We will find them. I, I said, I say, you, you made sense there. But there are some people here. Two billion. <laughs> they will put it inside and must go. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. Point number 10. Point number 10, and this sums up everything for me. The God factor guarantees the increase. If you are a Christian and you remove God from your process, you are reducing the potential of increase of productivity. Too many scriptures. Acts chapter 7 verse 9. The Bible said concerning Joseph that God was with him. He said they envied him, but God was with him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said God was with him. 2 Samuel 5.10. 1 Chronicle 11.9. The Bible says David grew greater and greater because the Lord of hosts was with him. 2 Samuel 5.10 and 1 Chronicle 11.9. And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. The greatness in your story, God should be in it, and God is in it. Second Chronicles 1 1. The Bible says God magnified Solomon greatly. Second Chronicles 1 1. It says, And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in the kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. That's going to be the testimony of somebody in the name of Jesus. As you walk with God this year and as God walks with you, you are going to be magnified exceedingly in the name of Jesus. Concerning Jesus, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, the Bible says what? And God was with him. Jesus of Nazareth, God was with him. Blessed him, anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. For God was with him. 
Ah, very interesting scripture. From 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 7, it says what? Paul planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You can plant all you like. You can plan all you like. If there is no God in it, forget about the increase. When God is in it, increase is guaranteed in the name of Jesus. Your goals can be smart. If you don't bring God into it, forget about the results. Bible says God, 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 God. God turns the heart of king the way he likes. Proverbs 21, 1. He said the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wills. Ah, thank you, Jesus. It is God's grace that guarantees your divine favor. And you will need it. When we pray here, when we preach here, when we prophesy here, when we speak the gospel here, Bible says Second Chronicles 20, 20, that what? Believe in the Lord your God and what? You shall be established, but believe his prophets and you shall what? Prosper. Your productivity, your prosperity is in your belief. Praise God. See, let me tell you, do not doubt God. Listen very well. Do not doubt God. When God makes a promise and you're running with it, don't doubt God. It's like, it's like, it's like a couple. A couple that wants to give birth, they're asking for the fruit of the womb. They don't use contraceptives. Is there any child here? A couple asking for the fruit of the womb. They don't need and they don't use contraceptives. For every time you doubt God, you have put a contraceptive on the promise. Doubt does not have anywhere to play in God. And there are five things that grace will do for you this morning. Six. Let me just quickly go through it and just tell you what the Lord says I should say as I round up. Number one, the grace of God this year, Apostle Paul says first of all that I am what I am by the grace of God. The grace of God this year will take you to places where you will become relevant and recognized in the name of Jesus. The grace of God will take you to places where you will become relevant and recognized in the name of Jesus. You will become a reference point in the name of Jesus. Productivity will become part of your nature this year in the name of Jesus. Number two, God will give you grace to seize opportunities. In the name of Jesus. As it happened to Joseph, you will seize opportunities. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three, God will give you grace to create opportunities. In the name of Jesus. Every environment you find yourself, you will be able to create opportunities by the grace of God. In the name of Jesus. Number four, God will give you grace to maximize opportunities and the harvest that comes with it. In the name of Jesus. Opportunities will not pass you by anymore because of the grace that is released this morning. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Ah, Jesus. Number five, God's grace, like Joseph said, you make this for evil, but God is turning it around for my good. God's grace is going to convert every evil to good for you in the name of Jesus. And the last one, God's grace will take you to a place where your talent and your knowledge will become useful in the name of Jesus. And I prophesy this morning, I prophesy this morning that in this Lagos, in this same land, you will be successful in the name of Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. I said in this same land, you will not go out begging in the name of Jesus. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. For more information, visit our website, www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real, influence your world.